we're already having a good night tonight. Praise God for that. And uh, we're not going to stop worshiping. We're just going to do that by opening up his word. So why don't you grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Matthew. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, and um, this has just set us up so perfectly because we've really been kind of setting our minds on who God is and thinking right thoughts about him. And uh, we're continuing our series that we started last week on transforming your thinking. And what we realized last week is that we really need God to do this work of uh, to transform the way that we think and what we think about. And he does that primarily through the power of the Spirit of God using the Word of God, which is why it's so important that we got to get in the book, man. we we got to be people of the Bible so that we learn to think biblically, as we saw last week, that, that we might discern rightly so that we can live differently. Uh, maybe, maybe too many of us are kind of struggling to grow spiritually um, in this season, and, and, and if that's you, I, I, I get it, like understand, we feel that. Uh, there are seasons we go through where just like, man, I just, I want to grow, like just, just kind of struggling with some things, uh, dealing with it, not sure how to re- really handle this. And um, it, I think a lot of times the reason we're struggling is because we're not thinking biblically. That we're spending like way too much time swimming in a sea of information and content and way too little time reading and meditating and, and, and focusing on the truth of God's word. And so when life, when life hits and, 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 and maybe you're like going through some challenges or you got some stress in your life or, or disappointments, it's not fun to have to deal with that or the uncertainties and, 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 and things of the future that you're kinda, you kind of don't know what's going to happen and how's this all going to turn out. That's, those are the moments that, that if we're not thinking biblically, we tend to get all bent out of shape because we forget what's true about God, which we just set our minds on the truth. Whether we feel like it or not, this is true about God, but we forget about those things. And we forget about uh, what's true about ourselves, and we forget what's true about our circumstances. We start listening to and believing lies. And so you just got to recognize that our unbiblical thinking has some devastating impacts on our emotions and our actions and and the kind of life and the season uh, that we're in right now. So the whole point of this is just to recognize that our thinking is really, really important. But have you ever thought about why you think in the first place? So, uh, the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz wanted a brain, right? And I love the question that Dorothy asked. The question is, well, what would you do if you had a brain? Which I think is a really good question for you, because I'm assuming, and I think I'm right, you have a brain. No, you don't need to make weird comments that, like look, looking at your neighbor. Like I, I knew that was going to happen. Everybody in here has a brain. Hopefully the goal is not just to uh, think some thoughts we've never thunk before and then sit and think some more, right? Like the, the reason, the purpose of our thinking is not for the sake of thinking. There really is a reason that God gave you a brain. Do you know why? Do you know why God gave you a brain and a mind and, and this capacity to, to reason and, and this, this ability to, to think? Do you know why? 
I think if you discover and you really understand the purpose of your mind, it's going to help you put it to good use and use it the way that God has designed it. It's very possible that some of you have never really even considered why God gave you a brain in the first place. Today might be your day where you start to use your brain the way God designed it to be. This reminds me of the, the uh, I was today years old memes. Have you seen these? Uh, like, I was today years old when I discovered the purpose of this thing that I probably should have known my entire life, and I'm just now figuring this out. So I, I want to give you a couple of these. Here's, here's one. Uh, I was today years old when I learned this is where the bread and chips go after bagging on the grocery cart. Now, this is not verified. I have honestly... Has anybody ever seen this before? Like, I never saw this before either. So somebody this week is going to need to fact check that. Please go to the grocery store. Text me this week. Let me know if that's legit or, or if somebody's. this is like some made-up life hack. And, and I don't know if that's universal on all shopping carts. Uh, but I do know this one. Uh, I was today years old when I discovered that a ceiling fan is used for both summer and winter. Did you know that? Like, who turns the fan on in the middle of winter? I didn't, okay, but you've seen that little switch, right? If you, you go up in the winter because apparently, and I don't know science, but, but apparently it, it creates some sort of updraft and kind of helps keep the room warm. And then in the summer, you uh, flip the switch down and, and it's going to help you stay cool in the summer. Pretty cool, huh? All right, all right. How, how about this one? I was today years old when I discovered that the gas symbol is not just so that you know where, uh, where the gas gauge is on your dashboard. Do you know this? Most of the time you're like, everybody knows that you look for the E and the F. That's a, but, but if you look at that uh, symbol right there, whenever you find the gas symbol on your car, there's always an arrow. And the arrow is telling you which side your gas tank is on, which side of the car. Do you know that? Okay, I was today years old when I figured some of this thing. Okay, everybody else has figured this out a long time ago. This is really going to help those of you who are like me when you're renting a car and you're like, that, that moment you pull up and you're like, I don't know which side I'm getting. Like, and, and there's a few weird cars that have it on the right side, but maybe that'll help you. How about this one? How about this one? Uh, I was today years old when I discovered that the drawer in the bottom of the oven has a purpose and it's not to keep uh, pots and pans for storage. It's actually to keep food warm. Like, it, uh, apparently it's like written there in the instructions. I feel like I've been lied to my entire life. How about this one? Parents, parents, every parent knows this one. As soon as you hand your child a juice box, what is it? What's the instruction that you're giving? Don't squeeze the juice box. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to when you discover there are wings on the side of this thing, right? That's going to help somebody. Or, or this one, this next one, this is probably the most ultimate life hack ever. I was today years old when I discovered that I could eat an entire and hold an entire Chick-fil-A meal in one hand while I drive. Come on, that's going to change somebody's life. My pleasure. If you've not spent a lot of time thinking about your thinking, then it's possible that as we read Matthew chapter 22 tonight, you will be today years old when you discover why you actually have a brain. You want to know why? 
What is this? Why has God given us this capacity to think? What, what's the purpose? Let's read Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to start, I'm going to pick up in, in, in verse 34. We're really focusing on just one verse, verse 37 tonight. But I want to get a little bit of the context here because it's really a, a story that's a narrative that's happening here. Uh, Jesus is standing before the, the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees and, and they're questioning him. And, and here's what it says, verse 34. When the, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, there it is, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, so Jesus is actually being approached by a thinker. Uh, th- this is a guy who's a Pharisee. He's an expert in the law. He's actually a, a lawyer. Uh, so so he's, he, he thinks really well. And he asks him a question. It's a somewhat legit question, but it's not uh, legitimate intentions, okay? Uh, the, verse 35, it tells us, the text says that he's, he's, he's really asking this question in order to test Jesus. And, and this is on the heels of the Pharisees. If you look back in verse 15, the Pharisees were trying to plot how to entangle Jesus in his words. So they're, they're trying to set him a trap. But, but Jesus actually answers this question, but he does it. He answers this question by quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is like one of the most important verses. Every Jew would have known this by heart, okay? This is what they called the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it comes from the Hebrew uh, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then Jesus quotes this, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind. This is what he's saying. The, the, the greatest commandment is this. That you would love God with everything you are. Heart, soul, and mind. Heart, soul, and mind. Now, now those things, th- those are not really uh, meant to be viewed here as completely separate uh, parts or compartments of uh, our being. I, I think Jesus' emphasis here is on our whole entire being. Like all of who we are. And yet. While that's the emphasis, there are various aspects of who we are, right? At least different focuses. Like, like there's no, no doubt about it. When Jesus says, uh, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your mind, the focus is clearly on our intellectual capacity to think. So then that means that hiding in plain sight here, Jesus is giving us the reason why he made us to think. In fact, this is the uh, first of two clarifying actions I want to give you tonight. If you really want to use your mind correctly, here's this. Note this. Know the purpose for your mind. It's really wise if you actually understand and you know why God has given you this ability to think. And here's what he says, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. First, the, 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 the mind gives you the capacity for this, for this knowledge. But notice that knowledge is ultimately directed towards God. Like it's, it's at him. You have a mind so that you can know God. God intends for uh, his people whom he has created to know him. And, and he's not hiding from us. He's not playing hard to get. He's actually revealed himself to us so that we can know him. There's actually two primary ways that God has revealed himself so that we can know him. And, and the first is that, that, that he has revealed himself to us through his creation in the, in the world. 
This is what we normally refer to as general revelation. He's made this known to everyone. In fact, uh, Psalm 16, I've got this, or Psalm 19, I've got this for you on the screen. I want you to uh, see this. Uh, the psalmist says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. All that God has made is screaming out and shouting loud and clear for everyone to hear, everyone to see, God is a glorious creator. And every person on the planet hears that message. In fact, Paul confirms that for us in in Romans chapter 1. Check this one out. Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 and Paul says this, for what can be known about God is plain to them. And, and, and the them, he's referring to the, uh, the sinners, basically saying all people, okay, all of us are sinners. He's, God has made known, it's plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. There's, there's no mistaking it. When, when, when people see everything that God has made, when we look at the, the mountains and, and rivers and, and, and trees and, and clouds and oceans and spiders and ants and lizards and eagles and porcupines and squirrels and other human beings, all these things that God has made, when you see that, you're, you, you know God has made these things. Now, the problem is, Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 1, that the, the unbelievers, they, they suppress that truth. I mean, they, they shove it down and they refuse by choice to acknowledge that. But they know. Because Paul is saying that, that what, God, uh, what can be known about God is plain to them. It's been clearly perceived. But another problem is that um, this knowledge is actually not enough. Like, you can walk outside and, and look around and know that God exists. But just by walking around outside, you, you wouldn't know that you are actually a sinner who is separated from this holy God. And that you're deserving of his judgment because of that. And that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins in your place so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have eternal life with him. You couldn't know that just by walking outside and looking around. Like, hey, we want to look and see. See, God has made this. But this is why God has also had to reveal himself, not just in the world, but also in his word. Okay? That's what we normally refer to as special revelation. There's general revelation. Everybody sees this. Everybody knows that. Unless you try to suppress it and push it down and refuse to acknowledge it. But it's there. But in order to really know him, he's revealed himself to us in his word. I want you to check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's what Paul says. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For what we proclaim, he says, is not ourselves, but we're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what we proclaim. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God gave us his word, the Bible, so that we might know him, and we know him, he says, through the knowledge of the glory of Jesus in the gospel. And you wouldn't know that without the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit giving you new life, giving you eyes to see and ears to hear and heart and mind to understand this so that you would have faith in him. You would believe in this. So, so it's not just intellectual, it's, it's spiritual. But God is, is using the intellectual faculties that he has given us so that he can proclaim to us the gospel and then we would hear it and then we would understand so that we can know him. He's using the very things that he created in us. Sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, sometimes when I'm getting ready to preach, I'm praying, and I'm praying for you. One of the things I pray is like, God, light them up. God, light them up. Like you, he's given you a, a mind, and he's given you his word. May he use these things together to help you understand. You use these faculties because we want to know. But the purpose of your mind is not, notice, it's not just so that you can know God. What does he say, verse 37? You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. Think about this. He has given you a mind so that you can know him, but there's a greater purpose. It's in order that you can love him. So, so I've waited. I know everybody's like, we didn't have a big idea. Yeah, we do. But I waited until this moment because I've been building this argument. I hope that you're going to see this. If I could state it in a sentence, it goes like this. The ultimate purpose for your thinking is to know God. So that you can love God. That's why you have a brain. So that you can know him and that you might love him. Now, now the guy, that, the, the, the lawyer that's asking Jesus this question, he completely missed this. He missed the point of using his mind and all of his extensive study and his, and his learning. Like he knew a whole lot of facts about God and, and, and God's word. But here he is testing the son of God instead of loving him. He's missing it by about 18 inches because this, this knowledge didn't travel from his brain to his heart, okay? Like he is, he's been blinded. He doesn't understand these things, and, and, and he doesn't love. Jonathan Edwards said it this way, God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by its being rejoiced in. God wants to be seen. But it's not just this intellectual knowledge. He's, he's wanting to come from our hearts. This, this, think about this. This lawyer is literally physically seeing the glory of God. Even though he's spiritually blinded, he's physically seeing the glory of God because he's looking at the face of Jesus. But he does not love him. And so he doesn't rejoice. Man, may the Spirit of God use the, the faculties that he's given you, this, this, this capacity for knowledge and understanding in order to know him so that you might love him. I was really helped by, by John Piper's book, Think. I'd highly recommend that one to you. And, and, he, and he said it to me this way. The mind provides the kindling for the fires of the heart. The theology serves doxology. Reflection serves affection. And contemplation serves exaltation. 
He says it's a, it's a circle that, that, that I love God because I know him. And I want to know him more because I love him. Think about this. When, I, when you open up the Bible and you start reading these things, you're going to discover who God is. He gives us the, the ability, the capacity to understand so that I can know him. Not completely because I'm finite. He's infinite. And yet I can know him rightly. I can know him truly as he's revealed himself to me. And the more I know him, man, the more I love him. The, the, these things that we've been singing about, that we've been proclaiming and declaring about who he is, and then we get fired up about that because the more I love him, the more I want to know more about him. And, and the cool part about this, I just I think about what a joy it is. I just get to keep studying and reading for a lifetime of joyful discovery. And because he is infinitely glorious, then what that means is I get to look forward to an eternity where I am exploring and, and, and this adventure of trying to discover his greatness and, and I will never exhaust him. I'll never get disappointed. I'll never get to the end of knowing all there is to know about God and feel like, well, I guess there's that. Yeah, that's it. You will never exhaust the greatness of this God. And what a joy to know him. This is the way that my brain, my mind is designed to function. That it connects to my heart. That my thinking serves my emotions. You get that? Man, if we could get the implications of that. My thinking serves my emotions and my affections. Why? Well, because I'm going to treasure God when I see him. Because when I see him, I'm going to see and perceive that there's no treasure that even comes close to comparing to him. He is all I need for everlasting joy. We might know him. I'm building an argument here. And now we get to the application of it, okay? Just this is, this is the second clarifying action. If you want to use your mind correctly, if you know the purpose for your mind and you're thinking to know God so that you can love God, then I just want to encourage you, then do that. Here it is. Note, note this. Love God with all your mind. Love him. Love him with your mind. This, this is why you have a brain. Use it. And use it correctly. Learn to use it the way God has designed it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. That means all in, fully engaged. Like I'm not, just, I'm not just putting my mind on autopilot. I'm being intentional with my thoughts instead of just letting my mind wander. Okay, I feel like I have to hit, hit, hit pause here for just a minute. Because I think that, man, we are in such danger right now of being conditioned by endless streaming on TV and, and scrolling on our phones and playing video games. And, and listen, it's not, that's not wrong that we can enjoy these technologies. And I'm, I'm glad for them. But, man, we've got to be careful that we don't train ourselves to be mindless. That we run back to these idols of, of comfort and, and retreat to thoughtless activity without the discipline of being thoughtful. Basically what I'm saying is, let's be a little careful not to let our screens lull us into a stupor. But I want to be, be intentional. Are you being intentional about what you think about? The thoughts that you allow yourself to dwell on and the perspective 
that you choose to have, as we were just reminded tonight, the the perspective that I choose to have in the circumstances that that I'm going through right now, or or, or the the things that I believe, or or a hunger to actually learn more about God. I think what Jesus is trying to say is, come on, love me with all of your mind. It's an active mind that is using it in the way that God has designed it to be used. Love him with your mind. He has revealed himself to you so that you might know him. And because we love him then, when we see him, we're like, man, he's so awesome. We hunger to learn and explore and contemplate and meditate on the revelation of God in the word and the world. Can we just talk about that for a minute? How do we do this? How, how, do, I, how do I do that? Where, where I want to love God, I want to think about these things, I want to see his glory and what he's revealed to me about himself in these two primary ways that he reveals himself, in the word and in the world, in the things that he's made. I mean, how often uh, do we wonder at the glory of God in creation? Some of us need to get outside a little bit more. I think about the way the psalmist, especially Psalm 8, when the psalmist stepped outside at night and he looked up. You remember what he said? He said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Like, isn't that an awesome response to that? Like, are we, are, are we, do we, do we let the majesty and the magnitude of God's universe put us in our place? So that we would just stand in awe of the maker. And and are we curious about the world? I want to learn. I want to understand these things. I was having a discussion right beforehand about uh, the, the helicopter they're trying to launch on Mars. How cool is that? Like, do I have a curiosity about this universe and the way it all works? But seeing it through a, a biblical worldview. Where I'm seeing the order, and, I, and I'm like, God did that. I'm seeing design. Well, there's God's handiwork. I'm seeing uh, creativity and, and beauty. And, and then we got to be careful not to put a divide between the, the secular and the sacred, but that we think of all of life through the lens of God's glory. Like we see it, as, as much as I hate to say this, we actually see it in math. Okay. We didn't have to get that excited about that, but do you see it? Like, the, the, the world makes sense. Like, there's order, there's structure, there's design there. And we see it in medicine and biology. And, and we see it in government and policing and in history and in and, and, and construction and logistics and management and, and business and ethics and the arts Like, can we study and practice these things knowing that we're going to see the glory of the Creator in them? But also knowing that that, that while there may be some incredible discoveries and and, and creative advances in these fields, we will understand none of them accurately unless we uh, view God's world through His Word. Okay? So be awesome at what you do, okay? Work hard. Study these things. God has given you a brain and a capacity, and I'm guessing that, that you see his handiwork on display on Monday morning when you get up and start doing what he's made you to do. 
We want to see God's revealing himself to us in the world. But it's not enough, right? Those of us who are committed to loving God with our minds, we are going to pick up this book and we're going to study it. Man, we want to know, God, show me. Reveal to me. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then I'm going to let God's word change my mind, not the other way around. That God tells me what's true. And we have to acknowledge that, well, absolute truth um, exists outside of us. It's actually something that we need to receive. It's not something that exists inside of us like it's subjective to my own experience. I don't need to live my truth. I need to submit to the truth. I want to get into God's word and I want to think God's thoughts after him. I want to believe what he tells me about himself. A.W. Tozer said it this way. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And if that's true, then I have to ask you. Do you know God? For who he really is. Now when, when you run into a brick wall in life. And you're facing all those uncertainties. And, and, and going through some really stressful things. And, and feeling overwhelmed. Or maybe you're just kind of beat down. And, uh, disappointed. Uh, kind of downtrodden. Maybe you're struggling with some sickness. Or some tragedy. or what. In those moments. What do you think about God? And the question is this, is what you're believing true? Is that true about God? And the determining factor is not how you feel about it, but what God's word says about it. We need to be careful not to put God in a box and just assume that we understand we know him and, or, or, or even worse, uh, accuse him of something that's not true. These are the moments where we're going through it and life gets hard. Those are the times where we kind of run by our feelings and so then we might actually accuse God of things like, ah, he just, I don't think he really cares. Or, or he, he, we start blaming him for my problems. Or like he, he doesn't answer me. Or he can't do it. Or he's not trustworthy. That's lies. Those are all lies. Scripture helps me think about what is true. That he tells me who he is. And how I should view and look at the circumstances that I'm going through. And the reality is, he is great. He is glorious. And he's good. And, and when you truly know God. I know this by experience. I believe it from his word. And I want you to test it. When you truly know God, you'll never be disappointed. You will never be disappointed. Do you believe it? It's not just this intellectual ascent to facts. Your, your, your mind is actually engaged in, in faith. So what we do is we set our mind on the truth of God's word and we think right thoughts about God. What he tells us about himself. And then we let those thoughts fuel the fire of our love and our worship for him. And we, we, let our, we let our thinking serve our affections. So this is why he's giving you a brain so that you can know and, and love him. How many of you want to use your brains this week? Love God with your mind this week. Lord, I pray that you would do this work. I pray that you would, 
Help us to think about what is true. God, we just confess that there are so many times in the, in, in the moments, in the heat of it, when, when life isn't going our way, when we are, are dealing with disappointments or frustrations, when we're hurting. God, those are, those are times where we're tempted to think and believe things that are not true about you. God, would you, you forgive us of that? And would you speak to us? Would you remind us? Thank you that you've revealed yourself. Thank you that we can know you. And Lord, I just I praise you that we get, this, we get this privilege of having a lifetime of adventure, discovering who you are in the world that you have made. And somebody's going to discover something sweet about you this week as they're going to work and, and doing the things that you've created them to do. Many of them are going to do things that I could never do. And they're going to see you in it. And God, I pray that you would meet them this week in your word. Remind them of who you are. Press that truth on them so that they believe. Not just know, but that we would love you. We're so grateful for what you've accomplished for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, one of the ways that we use our brain. Isn't it cool that God gives us a very tangible way to use our brains by having us take communion together as a church? Because what does he say? Do this in remembrance. Like I want you to set your mind on the truth of what Christ has accomplished. So if you haven't gotten, uh, there's communion elements in the back. I'd love for you to take this along with us. This is for those who really do believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. This is an opportunity for you to reflect and thank God for what he's accomplished for you so that you can have life, that you can know him and love him. Because Jesus said that on the night in which he was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it and he given thanks. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we remember. Thank you for giving us this capacity, this ability to understand, to think on these things, to set our mind on what you've accomplished. And Lord, I'm uh, grateful that you would not only reveal yourself, but you would give us your spirit so that we can really understand. Shine the light of the glory of Christ in the face of Jesus in our hearts that we might know you and love you. Help us to live for your glory this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray.